This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 435, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 435. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and joining me are Paul Montgomery. Hello. 
And Josh Flanagan. Hello. We are a fanboy. We like comics. Everybody can read a bunch of comics. One of us, they select the best one they read. We call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book on the show. We talk about other books of the week. We talk about all kinds of fun stuff. Goofy nonsense. Sometimes Paul is racist. No, I'm we, not. Move, we move past I, that. It's, can we? I feel like we should do that. We should, let's just do this on the show. Okay. Paul, a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but your racism has become a problem. Big problem. Big problem. You know, maybe this isn't the best time to do it. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go right, ahead and take it after back. the let's, show. Yep, that's a good. I'm idea. gonna show you the file letters of the NAACP. I feel like that was racist. <laughs> Before we get to the show, quick reminder and a warning. Oh, Paul, I went to a liberal arts school. Everything makes me feel guilty. Paul, did you just drop out of the show? Are you still? No, listening? I'm here. I'm just okay. Ready to talk? I get <laughs> yes. you. This is a review show. Good move. So we'll be talking about the things that happened in this week's books. And so if you didn't read them, you'll be spoiled. So don't do that. Pause the show or read the books. One of the two. Either option. Or don't care. That's the third option. Always a good one. Come back when the coast is clear if you do more are worried about that. This week, Paul, you had the pick. Because I care about the, the plight of the mer people, I chose <laughs> uh, The Wake, number eight. The Merple. Yeah, I, I read a bunch of books this week, and this was a, this was an odd week. There were a lot of like solid fours and everything, and it just took me. And I was like, "Where, where is the pick? Where is oh, it?" And the last a solid book, four week. The last book that I read ended up being the pick, and that was the Wake Number Eight by Scott Snyder, Sean Murphy, and uh, and Matt Hollingsworth on the colors, the beautiful, beautiful watercolors, great yellow skies, and everything. And this just continues to be a really imaginative. Uh, high seas adventure. There's a there's a pirate in here named Captain Mary, and he's got like a you know uh, a hand that he can remove and he can put a gun in its place, and they're going around in a giant mer person submarine thing <laughs> that can swallow up you know uh, leeward our our main character and her dolphin friends. Uh, that was where we left off last issue. She had just escaped from like a prison barge. And it was in a in a, a section of sea filled with mer people, and she got swallowed up. And there's this Captain Nemo kind of dude in there, and and his band of miscreants, and uh, and they go off, and they go to their secret sort of port where all of these mutant pirate people, mer fuckers as I believe they're called, um, <laughs> hang out. And she is trying to find the source of this signal. There's this mythical signal. Uh, and we know since we read the first five issues that it's it has something to do with this Lee Archer character, the protagonist from the first half of this uh, ten issue series. If she'd only read those issues, if she'd yeah. only read those issues, but this is two hundred years this later. Yeah, they probably and, didn't survive the flood. Yeah, that's and, exactly the problem. Yeah, and it's um, I don't know. It's just it's it's pretty great. I just I love. There's a great sense of adventure in yeah. this book, especially I, this issue with the pirates, who are lots of fun. I don't know how this story is going to wrap up in two issues. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, I don't know. But it's fun no matter what. I like like that there's these crazy pirates with half mechanical bodies. And then there's the the guy still chasing her. And he's got a giant like glider thing or uh, missiles. and General Marlowe. And uh, then I like the fact that the people from the first part of the story are all sort of these myths. In fact, some of their names pop up. Basically, uh, yeah. The last time, yeah, the last time we we talked about this series when it was a, a pick of the week, I think um, we weren't sure whether um, the that recording, that signal that they were getting, was you know somehow from now, like 
that Lee Archer was still alive or whether it was there. They talk about in this issue, about there apparently being a lot of signals that are like messages in bottles. Um, right. Like they just, they keep picking up these lost radio signals, sort of like lost, like there are these lost signals and um, what's, what's going on with that. And when, and when are they actually from? And, but apparently there's this prophecy sort of that there is the signal and it's going to help them out of this situation where, you know, the war, the world is just covered in water. Well, I feel like issue 10 is going to end with Kevin Costner showing up to save the day. I feel like this that's is, really the only is, way it can end. I mean, that is a way to pitch that. this book. It is like, you know, water world, but good. Right. Because I think this is, I think this is just filled with fascinating mythology. And that there was a cartoon when when I was younger called "The Pirates of Dark Water," which I don't think is remembered super well. I remember it. Like people don't love it as much, but I remember at that time this was just a great combination of pirates and fantasy. And here it's there's a there's more science fiction, but it's just a, a really interesting sort of confluence of of ideas. It's it just uh, they're throwing everything at the wall, and a lot of it is sticking. I like that Sean Murphy gets to go nuts with these mer creatures. You know, there wasn't there wasn't a giant one in this one, but he I like whenever his giant ones show up. The giant one took the boat down. That's true. You're right. I'm trying to scroll through this, but they're, they're in this one. They're because they're in the ship that's in the shape of a giant mer person, and it actually right. ends up in a fight with a giant squid, just like right, 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 just like the Jules Verne. So it's just it's great. He gets to draw the kind of things you don't normally uh, see in comics. You know, these, these giant squid battling a giant mer creature. You think you would see that kind of thing more often, but you don't really. It's just, it's a gorgeous looking book. I just, I, I love. That's, uh, that's, what wrong, that's what's wrong with comics today. Right. <laughs> I, I love more Captain Mary, that old, that old visual, and just the, and the way he speaks. He, you know, tosses Fathom in there. And um, whenever they curse, I guess, there's like little, fish. like puffer fish or like fish skeleton iconography in there that's kind of fun and i don't think they take it too far no Um, it's just it's it's fun with language and and what language would be like if 200 years from now the world is covered in ocean and you know they don't have their access to education (laughs) and i feel like my life would be much simpler and also more complex if i could strap a giant machine gun to my hand like that with the barrel on the bottom I feel like I get a lot more done throughout the day. It's for just, a little while until the police showed up, and then it's just fun. That's just um, yeah. I think they have, a, they have a giant airship called the Alamo, and you know what this is this is a side of Scott Snyder. We we haven't really gotten all that much. That's basically what I was thinking the whole time. up until yeah. this point. In that he's done, he's you know he's a horror writer, and at his heart he loves horror, and he he does it very well. And even Batman is a superhero book that's a little bit horror sometimes. But this is sort of I don't want to say it's goofy because it's not. I don't want to say it's wacky because it's not. I don't want to say it's, it's funny, playful. It, although it is funny, but it's it is a more playful and adventurous sort of story than that Scott Snyder's done, at least that I've read. There's been some a bit of American Vampire like that, but American Vampire always comes back to horror. This is. A different tone, which I like a lot. Yeah, and and you know, even comparing this issue to like the first five issues, it's a it's totally different tonally. Although it it, it feels like it's you know everything everything is is tying but, in. We're we're jarring. seeing Lee Archer and everything. It's not it's not jarring. It's just exciting and unpredictable in a in a fun way. Right. I don't. I'm sad. There's only two issues left. To be honest with you. Uh, yeah. Because I think it's a great book. Like there's I, a The Wake Two or something. Keep the awakening. The awakening, yeah. I mean, there's like the and you know, Captain Mary's got like a drone robot parrot on his shoulder that flies <laughs> around, and it 
picks it's up fun readings it's it's fun it's, just, it's a lot of fun very entertaining josh do you enjoy it i did uh i actually um noticed that uh i opened up the app and i realized i i hadn't read the issue before this because it was <laughs> it came out during the dark times right um baby. and so i read the two right in a row um, and I, I, I did. I really enjoyed it. And it was one of those things where um, I was, I was, I guess, I was just struggling to find time to fit in my comics. And I started off. Those are the first two things I read, and it, it set this really nice. I was like, ah, oh, these, are, these are good comics. It was a good way to get started with everything. And so uh, when I saw that that was the pick, I, I was, I was pleased. Good. Uh, and I, I really did enjoy it. And I think because you're stuck with it. I think that. <laughs> oh, the history books. Is this a is this a race thing, Paul? No, it's a spreadsheet. It's, this is it's. Um, I think I, I really did. Uh, I, I really think that Connor hit a nail on the head with the, the point that it, it really is a different thing from Scott, who really he does that dark, creepy, uh, st- you know, that scary thing really well. And there is and this, creepy in here. There's no, the there ice, totally animals. is. There is, but it wasn't in the same way though. I mean, right. like I think of a lot of the stuff. I, I, like when I, if I were to describe to you the feeling of a Scott Snyder comic book, it's like being in a dark room by yourself, thinking you were safe, and then you all of a sudden find out you were not because you see teeth in front of you or something, and it's all you see. It's all dark. Well, I didn't need to sleep tonight. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> well, this is a big, this is a big world that has been built, and a language, and a, a group of people, and it's, 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 it's in much the same way that, say, Private Eye is an extension of the world we have. Uh, if A, B, C, D, and E happen, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is that, and and it's it's. In the same well, like like American Vampire has world building, but this is this is a that's almost like what if we just insert vampires and in everything that already existed? Whereas this is a take it to a logical conclusion. It just has a different tone to it, um, and it's a lot of fun. And obviously, him and Murphy uh, work extremely well together. Yeah. Um, Murphy, a recent victim of a mountain bike crash where he cra- he broke his clavicle, so we'll Oof. see how that works. Yikes! Yeah. Well, this week in. The first issue of Miles Morales, colon, The Ultimate Spider-Man, number one. Peter Parker's floppy hair finally makes sense to me. How so? <laughs> well, get well, right oh, to it. For years, we said there were spoilers. <laughs> for years, uh, you know, we had Ultimate Spider-Man, Peter Parker, and everyone always made fun of his, his silly floppy hair, which I, I love the Bagley art of it, but that was always the one thing you, could, you had a hard time justifying. But here, Peter Parker makes a surprise last page appearance. And he's got his old long hair, but it looks like normal person long hair, which I was like, oh, that's how he's supposed to look. Right. That's what long hair is. David looks like. Marquez makes sense of everything. So this was really good. It is really good. And it, really it good. catches people up to speed. Who is this Miles Morales kid? And you you pick up on, you know, he doesn't have the Uncle Ben situation, but he does have another similar dire situation where his father hates him because he thinks that he's responsible for his mother's death. And maybe he is. I like that the central conflict of this issue was that he's been dating Kate Bishop, who in another world is Hawkeye, the younger. And uh, he wants to tell her all his secrets because he's a teenager. And that's what they want to do. And he's not sure if he should reveal his identity. His best friend says, no, that's crazy, which it is, obviously. Then he goes to Mary Mary Jane for advice because he wants to know how Peter handled it with her. And I thought that was a great scene between the two of them. And I love that that was sort of the central. That's my that's my favorite sort of. dynamic of this book, and what makes it so interesting. Um, in addition to him being a, an interesting character with a great cast of characters, but he's there is a precedent for everything that he does. Mm-hmm. So there is he, ha, unlike Peter, he has someone to look at. He has like a blueprint and to say, well, was this a good idea or was this a bad idea? And a continuation of that, 
uh, it looks like, well, it doesn't just look like it, it's, it's happening. Um, the Green Goblin, Norman Osborn, is, is out and about. He's escaped. Where did his beard go? Oh, when he transforms? Yeah. That, he would we have a new cool mystery, Josh. So it's like the, the, the Red go? Hulk situation. Turn the Green Goblin, no beard. Did, it, was it, was, did they shave it? I don't know. He turned in the Green Goblin. And oh, he's, then, he's in the prison and he's got the beard. Burned off. Prison beard. Well, that could be. He says, Everybody's, the thing is, the, 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 the real question is, that's an easy one. If we come back and he has reverted back that's to Osborne beard. and the beard's there, then 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 we got a, a whole thing. A whole then, crusade. It's <laughs> transformation back and whether or not they have their clothes, that's always the big question. The clothes it, or the beard. That's a jacket level issue. It is. So uh, uh, I think my advice for Miles is to not sneak up on teenage girls in a dark alley who are by themselves. Who have a history of supervillains. Right. Just lives. not – don't drop in right above you – know, I mean just in, in general it's a bad news. I don't know yeah, if that's yeah, just like Bendis' commentary on Spider-Man, the, the Upside Down Kiss. And like wouldn't that be really creepy if you, if you came up to somebody from Upside Down? I think it's still really creepy even if it's someone you are dating yeah. because you're in the middle of a dark alley by yourself and suddenly a head appears in front of you. Yeah. But uh, I thought this was great. And obviously, as, as spoiled earlier, the final page reveal is that Peter Parker is rooting around Miles Morales' apartment. Is What is happening here? Is it a clone? Well, there are two Spider-Men that appear that are involved in a, in a heist. Right. And so maybe it's clone stuff. They've done clone stuff in the Ultimate Universe before. And Spider Woman is a clone, sp- right? So, so I don't know. So I'm not probably what it is. So I'm not going to be too alarmist about. Oh no, they brought Peter back because I'm sure that's not what they're doing. They're doing I'm, something else there, but it remains. If they to be brought Elsa Peter back, they would be much more of a hoopla. Well, yeah. you know, it's interesting that this was uh, kept, right? As well as it was, because I really didn't expect that coming, and I did see in the how come his how come his how come his hair is back anyway. Um, <laughs> Really? Why is his hair back? <laughs> no, but I, what I was going to say is that it. I know this is a new number one. They've started over. Um, but I really liked that it was actually relatively low key. It was like a relationship Spider-Man kind yeah. of issue. Sure it wasn't. Confused. I mean, you you did have you have the in, you have in the background the offing of Norman Osborn, but that's very much in keeping with if you want to look at the the first issues of of you know Ultimate Spider-Man in general. Like it was right. very slow burn kind of thing, and I think that that takes it to what. You know what it was at heart, which is which is good, and it's like also it's. Sh- I was gonna say it's just it's a heck of an emotional component that that they have built in for Miles Morales with his yeah, father great. and mother. I really like that conflict. It, you know, it has it has t- a tone similar to to Peter Parker's, but it is a totally different thing. He has to sneak into his own apartment to get clean underwear because he's afraid that his dad might be there. It's rough. That's yeah, that's heavy stuff. I like the Shield agent who basically was like, "I'm out." You you handle a oh, lot yeah. <laughs> What shield's been shut down again? I'm out. That guy's sick of bureaucracy. Yeah, and Norman Osborn telling him he's going to burn all the time. <laughs> but uh, I thought this was great. I really did. This mm-hmm. is you know I, we we didn't love the other Ultimate books that Bendis didn't write that have, they've been rebooting, but this Bendis continues to roll on this Ultimate Spider-Man world, and it's really sort of unprecedented. It would feel really weird if he wasn't doing this. They'd have to do something different with the Ultimate line or, or end it. I think. That's what I think. If he stopped mm-hmm. writing Spider-Man, that's just my opinion. So this week we had two major launches from Marvel and DC. We had a an event starting at Marvel and a new sort of event, but another weekly book starting in New Fifty Two: Colon Futures End Number One, 
which is uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's an event or not. I, I don't know how Marvel, how DC is classifying it, but it's uh, it's a weekly book with Brian Azzarello and Jeff Lemire and Keith Giffen writing it and a bunch of people drawing it and uh, it's a really right. odd mix of creators there. Yeah. Did you read it? I d- yeah, I'll do it. I okay, did. Ryan, thanks. <laughs> I uh, I did. It's very you know, and and the the zero issue of this was their oh, I didn't read I didn't read the zero issue offering, and you know it's pretty much more of the same. But it's it's um it just feels very DC Age of Ultron, very soon after Marvel's Age of Ultron. Right. So you got this brother eye thing, and it's it's the and both of them are reminiscent of you know the Terminator setup, and um and that's fine, and that can be fun, um. But this also feels a lot like cleaning house. Um, they're killing off a bunch. I couldn't tell what they were doing with it, to be honest with you. Uh, they did ostensibly kill the Stormwatch, but that also included Hawkman. I have a hard time believing they killed Hawkman. Yeah. Um, that might be a situation where it's like, well, we're leaving our options open. <laughs> right. You know, we're not definitively saying <laughs> that they're dead, but there is an excuse for them not to have a book right now. For a first issue, it didn't really do much to really tell you what it was you were reading. Um, I, I get that's also sometimes a t- technique to drop you in the action and you've got to figure out what's going on. I mean, there's there's uh, Batman Beyond and there's Grifter murdering a f- bunch of young kids and then there's uh, Firestorm being a dick to each other. There's two kids who are Firestorm and... It wasn't bad. I just didn't know what I was. I gotta be honest. Every time I read a, a Firestorm comic in the new, like in the new Fifty Two continuity, and I haven't read it steadily, it mm-hmm. feels like the same story every time. Yes, like they're in the same place treading water. We have a bad relationship, and it's not. It's like it's that sitcom progression where you learn a lesson at the end of the episode, but then by the time the next one rolls around, you haven't learned anything. I feel like that's indicative of the general editorial formula that they have decided on and stuck with like Grim Death. Yeah. So, I mean, I like, uh, you know, I like Terry McGinnis. I like the whole Batman Beyond setup. Um, although I kind of feel like I, I wish he was just off in his own little right. corner, unaffected by the new 52. Um, this, well, in this situation, important- he's sent backwards in, uh, into – it's still the future. It's like 35 years from now or something, and then he gets sent back instead of instead of Bruce. But since the weight is different, he doesn't go back. Um, you can't return. Right. You he can't use the same device to return home. But he doesn't, he doesn't go back as far in the past as he was supposed to. Right. It, Josh, the headline of this one, though, is that the final page reveal is Green Arrow dead after being impaled by not one, but v- many rebars. <laughs> yeah, there's, we should have posted a rebar warning. Not just one. It's a lot. A lot mm. of rebars. Uh, uh, oh, this says, uh, maybe I'm crazy, but the first page says five years from now. Yeah. They're okay, jumping five? Huh? It's only five years? Seems like it's much late longer in the future. But then also remember that all the other ones started with five years ago. Well, it's five. It's five years for the Terry jumped back. He's jumping back from thirty or thirty-five years in the future. Right. But he okay. ends up instead of now, he ends up jumping not as five as years from now. Five years from now. So it so it is a jump ahead, but there's still a further future. There's some douche with Google Glass recording him. <laughs> so we know it's the future. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, Original Sin is the first issue of the Marvel event, written by Jason Aaron, drawn by Mark Diodato. This is we talked about the Zero issue last week. It was a little or longer previously. Uh, that was this, unrelated. That was Mark Wade and well, not completely unrelated. Well, it was yeah, sort yeah, of, it's, it's it was a character piece about the Watcher, which makes you ostensibly care about him because in this issue he's murdered, shot in the head, and his head just blows up everywhere. And it's a big head, so there's a lot of they blood. Pull his eyes out. Yeah, they cut his eyes out. Um, but Paul, Josh, you didn't read this, did you? I I looked at it and I started to, and I got the same thing. I tried to read the other. One. I just don't. I don't care. Here's about Here's why watches. you needed to read this. Okay, old Nick Fury, or real Nick Fury, as I like to call him, mm-hmm. in a diner. So I'm the racist. Yes, telling stories about Bastogne, 1944. All right, it's for for one scene. Read it for <laughs> that one scene. scene really, Just read the scene, and that's all you need to do. It's yeah, it's Nick Fury, uh, Black Widow, Wolverine, and Captain America. Wolverine, and Captain America, and talking in about the diner. best steak they ever had. He says the best steak he ever had was at Bastogne. All right. And I like that every it's like every once in a while they they play really fast and loose with just how Russian is Black Widow, right. you know. And in this one, she's full on Russian because she's like, the only good steak is from Bear. <laughs> <laughs> and Wolverine's like, nah, it was this steak, or and 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 they're like, no, it was this cow that wandered into Bastogne and got blown up by the Nazis, and then we pulled a jeep apart and turned it into into an oven and and cooked up some steak, and she's like, it would be better if it were Bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have you had a bear steak ball? You don't know. Maybe it is. I I don't know, but I just love it. Read, just read that one scene, Josh. That's all you okay. to do. And so it's this, will, it's going to be that. this big sprawling mystery. Um, and and you know Nick Fury's got his shield. They're they're big Nick on Fury his cars. Nick Fury is not in charge of shield, but he is in charge of the murder investigation. So he's like the primary on this case. And <laughs> one thing I actually did kind of like about this was. In the in the great Marvel tradition, they sort of break up the investigation into these groups of heroes that would never ever hang out. Yeah, um, which was always fun in the in the nineties, and this would happen a lot, like the the great Marvel uh, Avengers annual, in which they all faced off against their dead friends. Um, I forgot the number that was, but like you had uh, Ant Man and Emma Frost and Punisher and Doctor Strange and and uh, you know they they just it's fun pairings of t- characters mm-hmm. that. Wouldn't go together, and Jason Aaron's writing them. So, as ridiculous as this story might be, the character stuff is really good. Yeah, ob- yeah, no doubt. So, I'm actually gonna read another one. I wasn't necessarily going to. I was just gonna check out the first issue, but I did really like the groupings. And it's sort of silly. I mean, it's what's going, ha- what's happening? I don't necessarily care, but I do like reading the characters as written by Jason Aaron. Mm-hmm. So we'll that's, see. That's a good reason. And the whole big thing, and we sort of haven't gotten to this point yet, but like uh, everybody's secrets are coming out. We're going to come out. And I, I'm not going to read the tie-ins, so I'm just going to see how it does just reading the regular series. Hmm. I like that Doctor Strange sent the Punisher to another dimension to fuck with him. <laughs> yeah. So that was original sin number one. Uh, Swamp Thing, number 31. Josh, how did you, how did you feel about this one? I like this book, and I realize that, A, I, I like sort of this storyline they've been doing lately. I think it's really interesting. I thought there were um, – I like the twist on – is the girl's name Mickey or Mickey or whatever? Mickey, right, yeah. I like the twist on the, the, you know, the sexy lady, and you thought, oh, they're going to have – they're going to plant happy fun time sex. <laughs> but instead, you know, there was a whole other thing going on. It, it sort of flipped all that on its head. Um, and then I liked very much that uh, – I don't know, you know – Every time somebody uncovers, I know it's their job. Hey, what if there's a gray? 
you know, that's the mold. And I thought, oh, that's cool. And yeah, so there's the green that. and the red, and now there's the gray. And yeah. the I design mean, of that is really cool. And we should say it's this way is, less irritating within the ring core. It is. So, I was thinking about that, because, and that's what I was curious about, because I liked this, but then I was like, but wait a minute, this is sort of indicative of the problems we've had with a lot of other, like... Well, that, with that gr- was with overdone. Green Lantern and then we, Green Arrow we, we introduced really liked that it whole at thing. First in Green Lantern. Yeah. Green Lantern is a special case because that was the first instance, at least of, the, of this of this nature, and we really liked it. I mean, if you go back, we were in love with that whole ring thing, the whole different just, ring mm-hmm, core. Sure. They just yeah. drove it into the ground, and then they then they dug deeper and drove it further into the ground. But without I think they're still the digging. I'm like, I right. really like Alec Holland. I like watching him try to figure all this out. I, I one of the, this is one of the best things to come out of. This is actual interesting character stuff that came out of the 52 where before there was nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, where they, they really sort of dug up a character who's really interesting and he's, you know, he's reluctantly accepted things as opposed to Superman who has, you know, who, who just who takes it all on or Batman who isn't happy about it, but it's his job is, you know, that Punisher sort of thing. Like Alec Holland, I, I like his stance. It's like he's in the situation. He didn't ask to be. He, well, it's but he's not, got no choice, really. Here, let me put it this way: it's not unlike being a parent. <laughs> in that, in that, like you, it's, there's not a lot of fun to it a lot of times. But somebody has to do it. You're responsible for it. That's the thing. You know, I mean, that's that's greatly simplifying. But as I look no, at, but like it's, it, it's it's somewhat. I mean, it's correct. He's he's been made the protector of the green. Yeah. He didn't choose to be the. It's like he didn't swear an oath to be the protector of the green. He didn't decide to be the protector of the green. He just. Woke up one day after having been blown up, or, or, and then he was the protector of the green, and there's nothing else he can do about it. Right, and he's he can't, doing, well, he can't just he can't ignore it. Yeah, and go on with his life. He's the fucking swamp thing, so he's got to go. He's got to be. But and he's doing green. it because yeah, because like it's that, the right like thing, it. and it's very to me that that's very heroic. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's he's a, got a very blue collar heroic uh, and a very sort of unique character amongst all of this other stuff that's going on. And so now, it's, yeah, so it's a classic story because then you have this this other. Avatar, uh, in and this time it's for the gray for fungus and mold, um, who has gone about it a very different way. Uh, she and sometimes he, as we find out, um, ends up sort of giving up that life, and then there's just this decaying, you know, mold body in the basement. But she takes over countless uh, bodies, her avatar body to go live human life. Well, also killing humans in the process, but and she says she basically she's forgotten how many you know host bodies she's taken over over the years. Uh, this is really good, and the art was fantastic. It was. Now, my point, the actual reason that I wanted to add this to the list, okay, uh, was that at the end of it, uh, Aquaman shows up. Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, hero of the seas. Seven you know, seas. this is this is He's I your boy from Maine. I, one of these, and I like that Jeff Parker's writing it. That's totally fine. But one of the things that I realized was good about this book is that it didn't feel like it was part of the trudging sameness that is the rest of the new. Well, it, they've had a lot of regular crossovers with heroes in this book. I know, I know, but I feel like, especially since uh, since Soul took over, like he's been able to tell his story for a little bit. Uh, I mean, Constantine's been in there. Yeah, but Superman, it was a whole thing no, no, no. They can Man. show up. This is a crossover. This is trying to bring in. Let's make people who are interested in this interested in this. Okay, it's it's, it's a little more heavy handed than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he so came they had in the super from long Animal Man crossover that went for like a year. I didn't like that, but that was before. Yeah, he's saying since Soul took oh, over. Soul. Yeah. Like it for a while, I felt like he's been able to just tell this story that he's telling, and I've really enjoyed it because it doesn't come out every week and a half. 
it's a monthly issue of a thing that is that is ongoing and and progressing and all of a sudden aquaman shows up i gotta say i'm looking forward to souls aquaman i'll be honest yeah. with you i, I mean see that. he has so so far shown an ability to write all these characters really well yeah but and the next I'm issue curious. takes place in aquaman it's not gonna be him but, writing you know no but that's jeff parker i know You're saying you hate I, jeff parker i'm not but i wish they saying you have a problem with people book. from the south i whoa 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 whoa, whoa. Only if they're racist. We're just I'm not pushing each other in front of the bus constantly. This episode and 436 that. episodes before we start to take each other out. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought this is really good, and I, it's funny because I see it on my list every week, every month, and I go, mm, "I want to keep reading that." And then I read it, and I go, "Yes." What you know? It's really good. There, there's really something to be said. You know, uh, Swamp Thing is sort of famously the the book that takes takes people out. I mean, like, like it's like all sorts of people have tried and failed to start a swamp. Like big names, Brian Vaughn, Mark Miller, you know, have tried to start up a Swamp Thing series and just failed at it. And they've actually, like, if you want to talk about one of the sort of success stories out of the New Fifty Two, is that this this one actually? I don't I don't know what the sales are like, but I've, like it's it's good. It's, it's been good. consistently good, and they they managed a, a change. And I think I think Souls, you know, he's done a, a probably a, a more enjoyable job than even than Scott did. And I think Scott had a good start. Yeah. So now, if you're a Swamp Thing fan and you've only read the, ever read this series, I could not recommend more the original Alan Moore. And I would say original like it was the first, but the old Alan Moore run, mm-hmm. which made Swamp Thing famous. And you can find all that on Amazon. There's one, two, three, four, five co- collections of it. it. Gives you the full complete run, and it really is all that it is cracked up to be. All that it was, you know, built up to be. I hadn't read it until I read the collections, and you can get all those at Amazon at fma.com/slash/amazon. Like when going there and making all your purchases, we get a little piece of the action, keeps the show going, keeps the site running, keeps us in new microphones and all that kind of fun stuff. Also hookers and cocaine, but we don't like to talk about that. Yes, we do. I find what I call Amazon. That's how you can uh, help so us I don't out. know anything about it, so let's talk about it. It sounds fascinating. I find what I call do you pay them at the beginning or uh, – It really depends. But, you know, once, once you, you start being a repeat customer, they give you a little bit more leeway on when you have to pay. I find what I call slash registration. Sorry. Is where you can go to help us directly by becoming an iFanboy member at $3 a month, $30 a year, or by donating any amount you want. That helps us, goes directly to us, and we can help keep things rolling, keeps the pace, pace of the server bills, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we thank everyone who does that very much. So, Moon Knight number three firmly establishes that Patrick Swayze's ghost is part of the DC universe, or Marvel? at least they, or the Marvel universe, right? Um, they share a mythology. In that when ghosts are angry, they can punch people. That's true. I, I, I really found Moon Knight's new costume interesting. Yeah, it's, it it's kind of fun that it, it's sort of like this Inspector Gadget thing going on. Like each issue he gets a new kind of costume or set of I, abilities. I still don't really care about the story, but I still really enjoy looking at it. There's this kind of arc mythology going on and, and we've just have the first three issues. And so there's this thing going on where he goes back to his place and he talks to, you know, the whole Moon Knight spirit, the Egyptian spirit, I guess. And that's kind of a through line, but otherwise these are sort of like these little comic book haiku. It's like uh these really little, you know, story, like little short stories. He- he did something similar when Warren Secret Ellis did Avengers, something Secret similar. Secret yeah, yeah. But I wasn't even thinking of that when he did uh, when he did Hellblazer. He did something similar. Mm. Um, and he did like uh, what was the what was the uh, what was the the book with Snowtown? 
Oh, uh, uh, ten. No, uh, uh, fell. 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 It it feels like that. Like you just have this little this. If this, this was a weird little story, like the arc mm-hmm. of it, it wasn't even completely clear to me. But yeah, I didn't entirely like, understand. They're like the these little comic book tone poems. Um. Mm-hmm. And and just visually, it's it's super I, impressive. Yeah, I've really come around to the last time I was like, I'm not sure if I'm into the story, and I'm still not. I don't, I don't care. This is a vehicle to watch uh, Declan Shalvey and, and Jordi Belair do. Must be the work of their career so far. Yeah, and I think that's what's great about it is that he the stories might not always work, but he comes up with interesting ideas for them to draw and color. Yeah. And I mean, I really and yeah, and to and to uh, and sequences to illustrate, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just like I love the glider. Oh, and there's one shot of that in, every, in all the issues so far that are just like there's it's so it's such a cool visual tool, I guess. I, I mean, like the thing is, I've been I've been a, a, a fan, I've been a supporter of uh, of Shalvey's work for a really long time, and it's so cool to watch him come, you know, come into his own. You're like, wow, he's he's really like stepping up to the to plate. I hate baseball metaphors. No, it's but it's such a it's such a calling card. It's it's mm-hmm. th- it really makes a statement with each issue and. You know, even if even if we're not entirely latched onto the overarching story, each issue uh, affords him, you know, these great sequences and you know new costumes. Because that's another another skill that he has. He's really great mm-hmm. at doing superhero costume designs. He did this one in the new, like the latest Boomerang costume. That's that's Declan, and and so uh, he gets to do a different look for Moon Knight each each issue. And it's it's sort of annoying seeing people like oh I hate the new Moon Knight design. Well, it, it's supposed to change every issue. Yeah, wait around, you know. So it's it, they're it's like they're the weather fun. in Ithaca. Am I right, Connor? Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Paul, earlier this week on the Son of Batman podcast, we mentioned how we talked about how Tim Drake has been sort of marginalized in the DC universe, and yeah, and how uh, he, there's nothing for him to do anymore. And so lo and behold, I opened up Batman Eternal Five, and it's a Tim Drake issue. Oh, is it? I missed this. Okay, it, this was awesome. Is it four Honestly, or five? Five. This is this was the best one so by far, and I, this was the first one where I was like, I might actually really enjoy this series if they're if they're more like this. It, this was a. Uh, Tim Drake issue where he is investigating the, these sick kids. It also heavily features Vicky Vale and some awesome angry rants about the state of journalism. And then it also features Harper Rowe stepping out into her superhero persona for the first time. And so it's pretty great collection of characters um, and great art by Andy Clark. Oh, I like so, Andy Clark. Yeah. What did he just do? He did something recently that was that I liked a lot, I feel like. I don't remember what. Demand. He he did he did backup stories. Yeah. In, he, and it was in Detective or, ba- or one of those books, but that probably wasn't was. what you're thinking of. Did he do did he when I always said recently, now it's gonna be like eight years ago. Did he do <laughs> Batman and Robin? Yes, he did a couple issues of Batman and Robin. Um, in between quite late. I know from Rebels. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But Paul, this is right up your alley. This one okay. this is uh, Tim Drake. <laughs> I tapped out at the wrong moment. Tim Drake invest doing you know investigating on his own runs into Batman they they have a little not confrontation but a little tête à tête and then Vicky Vale is investigating on her own the same story and then Harper Roche shows up not quite in her was it Blue Bat was her character character name Bluebird Bluebird not quite there yet but she's in her little pre superhero outfit you know the black leather with all of her with their utility belt stage they all go through that's before a, they... that's a fun special time in every superhero's life right where just figuring so, things. <laughs> She's figuring out her identity, you know, a place in the world. And right now it's black leather with a, with a utility belt and a taser. Who doesn't know that experience? So this was really good. Batman and Superman 10, also really good. Jeff Lemire stepping in to write an issue with Carl Kershaw on half of the art. And Carl Kershaw is wonderful. He did The Flash 
story and then one Wednesday comics way back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was a one-shot team-up with Superman and the Atom, who's not yet the Atom, although by the end of the issue he becomes the Atom, uh, having to fight miniaturized aliens that are inside Batman's body. It's fantastic voyage in Batman. Yes. This was great. It was fun. It was it, it yeah. was it was uh it was fun and, and refreshing and it felt like it was a it nice could little one shot. Uh, sort of the, the barometer for me is whenever you have a, a superhero crossover, if it feels like it could be a Justice League Unlimited episode, then I'm probably mm-hmm. gonna like it. And so this this was a good time. I loved it. I love that. I just love them inside the body. I loved the little joke that the Adam played on Superman saying that the device had been broken and he had to stay at the body forever. Yeah. Ran's reaction I, to that. I thought um I re- I I thought that this was actually one of the other issues that that you know however many years later did fulfill the promise of the new 52 a little bit mm-hmm. with uh with the Adam. I was like, "Oh, I feel like I'm getting introduced to a new version of this character in keeping right. with the old one." That's- that's what this should have been like from the beginning. Yep. And it, I thought it was I thought it was really good and really interesting because I didn't, you know, he was a different guy. I had to well, be they're, they're pulling a bit of this. This is from the uh, Frankenstein Agent yeah. of Shade series. Yeah. So, so it took it takes you way back to the beginning of the new 52. You know, and that's on me a little. <laughs> not, you know, not being on top of that, I guess. But I was, no, but I was still it's still an introduction to the character in an yeah. interesting way. A character still recognizable as himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but new and different but still right. the atom what's it like that, when he meets little. this guy what's it look like you know what's he acting like it was good i was i actually i and i just I, I didn't expect to enjoy this when i started it and i i did i like uh, and i like batman be like what are what are you doing inside me why are you doing that don't do that <laughs> ask please good real good yeah um i know that i had mentioned alex and ada previously mm-hmm um, and it really is sort of a classic robot AI story. And, and we're up to issue six now. Uh, the basic story is that this guy, his, his mother, his grandmother buys him this super expensive AI robot and it freaks him out. So he, he uh, goes to this sort of black market underground thing and he, he activates her, uh, her AI basically so that she becomes a sentient being. And, and everything that goes along with that. Why is, um, why is, why does she purchase a robot for him? Cause he's lonely and he just broke up with a girl she or something buys like that. Him a sex robot or it's not a sex yeah. robot. Although it's a full the service protocol droid. Yeah. I mean, the implication is that that's, that's a possibility. Um, I guess, but, but he's, he's kind of freaked out by it and, and he didn't is really it metal want parts to. or is it like a, no, it looks like a synthetic human. Out, outer edge. Yeah. Yeah. She's a pretty girl. <laughs> All right. Um, and it just, uh, like uh, tonally, this issue was really nice. It just basically, this is sort of her first day, and she's touching everything and seeing what things feel yeah, like. And no, touching everything. <laughs> no, like like what the what the fabric of the couch. If there's a like, juvenile like, joke to be made, Josh. I know. And I'm, I'm gonna push it. through. I'm gonna push through this, but it's a it was a really low key, uh, really nicely paced issue, and it, it's the kind of thing. Um, that you 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 know you don't see as much in like the more mainstream comics, but he got to really take his time and tell his own story with this. And uh, I, I've it's been it's been a good, a good series. I really I look forward to seeing these issues when they come out. It's a very uh, manga idea. Uh, yeah, no, I think there's there's definitely a bit of that to it, but it's like almost with a touch of sort of American indie comic ennui to it. Like there's uh there's that all at the same time. So it's good. Well, Paul, when I started reading Cyclops number one from uh, Greg Rucka and uh, Russell Dowderman, at first I was like, uh, why, "Why? Why does this book exist? Why is really? Cyclops not with the other other X Men? 
I like that. Why do we have to do this? But then by the end of it, I was like, I don't Hell care yeah. why. It's awesome. Yeah, because so. there's you know there's plenty of all new X Men left you know down on Earth to get into crazy adventures as we saw in all new X Men. Um, but this is a, a cool opportunity. Yeah, no. By the end of it, I'm fully in. It's it's we talk about pirates in the beginning of this show. This is space pirates, even even more so than than sort of the wake pirates. These guys are yeah. boarding ships and sacking them. And I mean, when they board the Badoon ship and uh, Corsair gives his speech, you know, saying then this this lovely lady is Hepzibah, and this is my son who just put a sunroof in your vehicle, and if you don't want to pool, then you know, step aside. And it's a grand swashbuckling stuff and delivers on the delivers on the promise of the star jammers concept yeah. let's do a cool star jammers book but then also we had that question on a recent podcast asking you know what's a great book for you know a new dad um this well, there you go. is all about fathers and sons and we're just getting to that place so they they, they board this Badoon ship and they commandeer a little like two-person vessel and Corsair decides this would be a good opportunity for for me and Scott to go off and you know and bond for like a month or whatever. And they're he's gonna they're gonna you know reunite with with Hepzibah and everybody else a little later on. And was so it his idea or was it the sexy skunk's idea? They both have the idea. Yeah, I thought could have just said squirrel. Although I guess that's taken. So I guess we'll go with skunk. Then like he calls mink. it. Doesn't he call it's it a like a skunk type thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott does. Yeah. But I like that Cyclops has a sword now. He's a pirate in space, and they they pirate ships. I mean, I think this was super fun. It is really fun. Um, I'm excited for it. Like, it feels like it's it's a lot of setting the scene first, though. Like, I the promise at the end of the issue is sort of like what I was ready for, you know, with the announcement of this book. So I feel like it, it really will probably kick into gear in issue two. Oh, really? Because I really liked the dynamic of this with the whole pirate crew. Oh, I liked it too. I'm just saying, and- you know, I was, you know, I think this is, you know, establishing, this is like, this is the first 15 minutes of the movie. And I like Russell Dowderman a lot. Of, he's he's, he's very kind of in the Dave Marquez school yes. of art. Um, a perfect choice for this book in terms of just the 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 whimsy and, and, and you know, the, the this is really cool nebulas. In the background, yeah. I mean that that first sequence when Cyclops is using his optic blasts to propel him That's through cool. space really cool. is a really cool idea, and but he's also really good. yeah I agree I thought of Dave Marquez too that it's it's really good for you know coming of age teen comic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So this is this is one to definitely check out. So those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. Go to iFanboy.com. In the comments section of this show, you can talk about these books, other books, whatever you want to talk about. Let's let's do that at iFanboy.com. And that's now going to jump on the book of the month. He's not lagging. He's actually it's not er, well, I was early, pressing I guess. for it. I was ready to do it last week. Yeah. Josh Lanigan with the May book of the month. Now, this is difficult for me because uh, the book of the month for this uh, this month of May. Wow, that's a lot of M's. May Book of the Month's Maximum Minimum Wage uh, by Bob Fingerman. You may have re- recognized that name from uh, me talking about the issues that have been coming out. Um, and, I, and I don't want to go over the same ground over and over, which is sort of what makes this difficult, but I think I can get around it. Um, maximum uh, Minimum Wage is a collection of all of the uh, issues and strips that made up the series Minimum Wage that ran uh, in the late 90s, uh, I think through the early 2000s. Um, and, and these are the precursors to the current 
uh, um, mini, uh, current series is going on an image right now. So if you picked up that series is going on an image right now, you would have no problem reading it and you would be able to enjoy it if you enjoy that kind of thing and it would be totally cool. However, uh, if you like it and you want more and you want to see everything that came before it, uh, you can go pick up this book. Um, and what makes it special uh, is that A, it has, it has all that background stuff, uh, but B, it's a big uh, lovely volume. It's oversized um, and it's incredibly inclusive. It, it has all of the issues that were included in sort of the original run and then on top of that it even includes even earlier issues that were sort of dr- working drafts uh, for what became the series. Um, so you, get, you read the story and then you read an earlier version of the story. That's very cool. And, and it's more interesting than you would think. Uh, basically. Um, this has appeared in different places over the years. There's been different collections of it from different publishers under different names, but this is really sort of a big definitive one. And, you know, it, it tells a story about a, a certain kind of person and somebody who I think comic people will relate to, uh, and, but, and a culture in, in the nineties in New York city. Um, it's very, it's adult in the sense that sex is definitely a theme that's going on. There's sort of, you know, it's not for kids. Um, but it really tackles a lot of the thoughts that, you know, we, people had in their early 20s. You know, the, the sort of, you're an adult, you're dealing with the world, you don't really know how, um, all sorts of stuff. And, and Rob is, you know, he's, he's kind of uh, endearing, he's kind of infuriating, you know, he's, he's doubting himself, he's wondering things. It's a really personal uh, kind of, uh, you know, exploration of sort of that time of life. And it, it, it many times it feels very, um, uh, you know, off the, off the cuff. It feels very like, uh, he's just sort of doing it, you know, without, without really planning everything. And I don't mean that in a, a, a bad way. I just mean like it feels very naturalistic as you go through it. It's got a certain, um, voice to it that's like a little, a little bit of, you got to remember at this time, uh, in the, in the mid to late 90s, uh, we were living in the um, Kevin Smith, Kevin Williamson era, right. mm-hmm. where everyone had snappy patter uh, in right. their dialogue. And yeah. there is a, a lot of that in this, uh, where the people won't say things directly. They'll try to say something clever all the time, um, which could get a little irritating, but it doesn't bother me so much. Um, one of the things that's really fun about it, though, is that like it's a different New York City uh, that's here. It's, it's a little more crazy. It's a little more dirty. I mean, I, listen, all that stuff is still there. Um, you know, but it, it deals with real stuff. There's, there's basically Rob is a cartoonist. He meets this, he meets this girl. They start up a relationship the whole time. She's like, you know, I don't, you're going to be sorry. I'm crazy. You know, and I don't know, I don't know a man who hasn't dated somebody who told him that and didn't, wasn't proven right in the end. Um, and you know, like you watch their sort of relationship, uh, come and go. If you read the new series, this is basically, he's been divorced. So you sort of know where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I just thought it, I think it's super honest. There's all these sort of strange encounters with people in New York city, uh, as they go through it. It's definitely got that feeling of not Manhattan cool, but like, like sort of, uh, up and coming, not up and coming so the, and, or not poor, but just, you know, when you're in your early twenties, you don't have any money and you're living in the outer boroughs, you're in Queens, you're in, you know, like it feels like that. Uh, you know, if you go into a white castle in Queens in 1998, uh, this that's they he captured that really really well, which I thought was cool. I thought that was that was it's a side of things you don't see as much. Um, it's, it's how, I don't know. I I how, how many years has this been? 
in his in a real world? Like how many years did he do this? I think I'm gonna say ninety seven. Ninety seven so, years. Ninety seven years? No, no, no. He started in ninety seven, so uh seventeen years. You know, how's the how's his progression of art in that time? Yeah. Art's fairly similar. Um the art in the original issues is very similar to what's in the stuff that's coming out now. It looks almost uh the same. If you go back to sort of the earlier versions of stuff, it's uh a much more liney. It's less textured. Mm-hmm. Um but it's got it's kind of cool. It still all looks hand drawn. It's got a lot of, you know, zipatone and 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 textures and things like that done that way in the old style. Uh it's all black and white obviously. Um and uh you know, I, I the, the the thing is this. I've been saying this when we read about the other issues. I could I couldn't put this down. Like I I kept reading it. You know, every chance I had for as many days as it took me to get through it. It's got one of those big ribbons in it so you can save your place, which helps. Sweet. Um and I just I was reading it every single chance I get. You're just it's like you're being a voyeur and you're watching into this person's life as they go through it and watching, you know, what mistakes they've been watching their their private thoughts and watching them hang out with their friends and uh it you know dealt with a lot of stuff. I thought it was really interesting and brave and funny and sexy and it was just all of these things uh, of comics that like a kind of comic that was used to be very common uh, and now is not. And I I really enjoyed it. And I think this made me enjoy the current stuff even more because I have sort of a it's like it's like picking up a show at the start of the fifth season where you can totally pick it up and follow, it, but then you go back and watch it for the beginning. Sure, there's more resonance to what's happening. Total, yeah, great cartooning, really good character work. I'm not really, really brave personal kind of stuff to get. I don't know how autobiographical it is, but I th- I th- there has to be an element of it to this. And then in the back, uh, there's you know there's all sorts of developmental material. There's all sorts of sketches and things like that. And there's all these pinups, just amazing pinups from folks like Dave Johnson, Jill Thompson, Mike Mignola, Kevin Nolan, uh, Hernandez brothers, Peter Baggy, Roger Langridge, my friend John Kirschbaum, uh, Dean Haspiel, Ted McKeever, like. Great guy, Davis. Great, mm-hmm. great stuff in here to look at. It's just a really nice package. Very nice. That's from Image Comics. Yep, it's from Image. Forward by Robert Kirkman. Um, and he actually his forward on this is, is fantastic. He really talks about how it was a uh, you know it was one of those first comics that he discovered that did something different that was sort of controversial that he would have maybe gotten in trouble for having in school, but it showed him a, a kind of the world that he didn't know about, you know, and a thing that you could do with comics, you know, and, you know, he says he, he, he just, it's not apparent, but he thinks it's a lot of minimum wage in the walking dead and invincible. And I, I can see that. And I think that this kind of comic was important. And for, you know, whatever the small number of people were who read it when it was coming out at the time, although that small number then is probably a huge number now. Right. I feel like it was, it was pretty influential. And you know, you're talking to a guy, my, one of my favorite graphic novels of all time is box office poison. And I see this as very much in that vein. Uh, it's a different tone slightly, but, that era, that kind of story is what this is. And, uh, you know, that sounds good at all. This book is totally worth, the, I think, the $35 cover price or something like that. But it's, it's a great book. Well, there you go. There is the May book of the month. Paul, you're on the hook now for the uh, June book of the month. Okay. Oh, God, is it over? Yes, it's over. Oh, gosh. It's a lot to choose <laughs> so, from. I've been reading some good stuff lately. so Start thinking. Yeah. While you're thinking, I'll read the audience question. This is from Wes, who writes and says, let's play a game. <gasps> Say you could only buy one book from each publisher. Which book would it be? These would be monthlies, not limited series. The publisher breakdown is as follows. Please, please feel free to add if you have any. Okay, we're not going to add any. We're just going to use the list he's got. What we'll do here is, and this is me talking no longer, Wes, we're going to... Um, do this like a Rorschach test, so or not a Rorschach test, but that you know, like I'm going to say the publisher name. You say the first title that comes to your mind. All right, this is going to reveal. This is going to reveal something about your inner life and your inner feelings. 
Okay. Okay. So we'll go Josh and Paul, then I will say mine. So Marvel. <laughs> Thor, God of Thunder. Oh. Mother. Wait. Different game. Um, Thor, God of Thunder. I will also say Thor. DC. Right now? Yes. yes. No, in 1997. Royals, Masters of War. It's a good choice. Are we doing are we doing DC separate from Vertigo or No. Uh The Wake. Well, that's a limited series. Uh Action Comics. Batman, Image. Minimum wage. Saga. Saga also. That's Dark tough. Horse. Dark Horse. BPRD, Hell on Earth, <laughs> whatever it is now. And then X-Men. <laughs> Book three. Uh, Hellboy. Star Wars. IEW. Whammy. <laughs> Pass. I'm going to say Little Nemo uh, upcoming. Not reading anything currently from IEW. Boom. Peanuts? Six-Gun Gorilla. Ooh, that was good. Is that still Pass. Valiant. <laughs> Quantum and Woody. Quantum and Woody. Pass. Dynamite. Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. Oni Press. Letter 44. The Bunker. The Sixth Gun. Hey! Hey! There you go. Our inner, our inner favorites have been revealed. Archie. Archie. Afterlife with Archie. <laughs> Afterlife with Archie. <laughs> Archie. <laughs> Just head. <laughs> like Mega Man. I don't know. So there you go, Wes. Those are the books we would choose if we could only choose one. Um, interesting. Interesting spread. Image is the hardest one. Yeah, it is. The Marvel's pretty hard, but Image was the hardest one. I almost said sex. Image was. I mean, you could. There's. A, I. I could have thought Alex and Ada or Saga was a really good choice. I really been enjoying Revival. I've been. Yeah. Uh, I miss so many books. I can't. You know what's what's funny Lazarus. is that. Lazarus. Yeah. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah. That, see, I hard. can't. That is really hard. And see, what's funny is that Marvel has been very good. Um. But as soon as I said Thor, I couldn't remember any other. Like, it, like, <laughs> totally. If you were to say, um. You know what? What book do you not want to disappear? Yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man. I, I, yeah, yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man. Panel Syndicate. The one book they have. Private <laughs> Eye. Um, Private Eye. I feel like we we should get we could get extra image in Marvel and DC books if we you know opted out from like you know a boom or an IDW. <laughs> right. Because you passed on a bunch of those. Well, I don't read it. I can't disingenuously choose a book. I don't read. Yeah, yeah. Got to keep it real. IDW is just Transformers and and Turtles and, and GI Joe at this point, right? They, they do really well. They're like four percent. I like that you chose Flash Gordon, even though you didn't like it. The only one I'm reading is Dynamite. He <laughs> <laughs> wins by default. I read that one. I read it. Did two ever come out? Not yet. Well, there you go. I think it's next week. You can email us at comic.fanboy.com if you have any more parlor games you want us to play like your Dancing Monkeys. That's what we do. We're Dancing Monkeys for your amusement. So call, email us at contact.fanboy.com or call our voicemail line at 888-FANBOYS-326-2697. If you do that, tell us who you are and tell us where you're from. Keep it around 30 seconds. But that was fun. I enjoyed it. I don't know why I said mother for that one. That was... <laughs> mother! Kill! <laughs>
<laughs> so let's talk. We got a lot of shows this week. In fact, we we last two weeks we put actually I was looking. We put out three shows in about four days last week. Uh, we had the Amazing Spider-Man 2 podcast in which me and Paul and Timmy Wood talked about Amazing Spider-Man 2 and had three completely different opinions on the movie. That was fun. That was a good one. Then we had the Son of Batman podcast in which the animation brain trust of me and Paul and Ryan Haupt talked about the latest DC Universe animated original movie. We are all of, of one opinion on it until the very end in a strange twist that none of us saw coming. <laughs> Ryan said, yeah, it was good. It was, it was. Uh and then, uh, so that came out a few days after the after after the pod. There's been there was three last week is what I'm saying. There was a regular show. There was Spider Man. There was Son of Batman. There was a lot of podcasts. So if you missed any of those shows, they're all back there on the feed for you to find, or they're on ifanboy.com. They're streaming. I was about to say streaming live, but we don't. That would be hard. Uh, they're streaming for your amusement on ifanboy and iTunes, all the places you get podcasts. And we have two coming up. All we have the Akira. The final Akira episode is coming up. Now that all the movies are sort of straightened out, and then uh, X Men: Days of Future Past, we'll be looking at that towards the end of the month. A lot of podcasting. A lot of podcasting. Head over to fanboy.com. That's where you'll find all these shows, and that's where you find the comment section on these shows. Talk about them. If you saw Spider Man, you wanted to give us your thoughts. If you saw Son of Batman, you wanted to give us your thoughts. If you're going to see X Men, that's where you can find that discussion. If you still want to talk about Captain America, it's still there on the main page. Lots of talk about that going on still. And uh, that's where you can also find talk about each, each, each week's show and each week's batch of books. So find all that other iFanboy.com. And you can follow the action on Twitter.com slash iFanboy and, of course, Facebook.com slash iFanboy to find out what the pick of the week is before the show. And you can follow us all individually. Of course, Jim is at Jim Viscardi on Twitter. Uh, Connor is C.S. Kilpatrick. Uh, Josh is J.A. Flanagan. And I am Fuzzy Typewriter. You know, if we could just adjust that at some point, <laughs> that would be awesome because I'm on the show regularly, have been since 2005. But you know, whatever. But if you like us, write a review in iTunes, or better yet, tell your friends, or your mom, or something. I'm just reading what's on here. I don't care anymore because no one seems to care about me. For the iFM boy, quote unquote, love. Anyway, our iTunes ratings, wow, ratings are up to ratings. 998. Two more, baby. Two more. And then Josh promised he'd quit. So you know, yep. we're all looking forward to that moment. So I, I, iTunes reviews, though, that's a heck of a jump. We're up to 708. That's pretty good. Actually, I believe Josh said he'd quit at 1,000 reviews. So you still got 300 to go until you boot him. And I know many of you out there would like to hear that. So There's, there's at least one guy. So go over to iTunes, leave a review, get it up to 1,000. Josh will indeed quit the show if that happens. <laughs> and uh, so there you go, guys. This, I feel like Paul. Is this what you felt like at the beginning? We were calling you a racist. It's a little bit like that. Okay. Is there some sort of medal they give out for people who podcast with a bur- burnt mouth from lunch? Is that do burnt they do that? Mouth. I feel like I'm the real hero. You're asking, do they give idiots prizes? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's called a Darwin Award, I believe. People who eat their food way too fast out of the oven. No, no prize. Oh. For that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And the thing is, once once you burn it right away, it's like so fresh and hot, hurts. But you're you've got the food in your mouth, and you want to eat it because you're hungry. It just makes it worse. Just worse. <laughs> my uh my my older son, because the other one is inert, basically. Uh, he will he will take no chances on warm things. He wants that thing here. It's fine now. No, no, I'm gonna wait thirty forty wow. minutes to just stare at that. He won't. He doesn't. He Did he have a bad episode? Did he burn himself? I guess you know what. Once there was, I I took him to get pizza once, and there was a uh, there was a scream. 
Thank you. I take a bite. Ah! Sorry. But I'm that dad. Sorry. Every dad has been that dad at one time where you're just in the middle of somewhere with this screaming child. And you're like, I, I don't know. I didn't hit him. I don't know what to, I don't know how to do this. I'm really looking forward to Ollie's autobiographical comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I don't do dad stories a lot on here, do I? No, yeah. But that was a good one. All right. Good.